and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Spies in Disguise, and I'm very happy to be joined by a first-time combination of people, but recurring guests all the same, uh, animation correspondent Joe Morgan. Joe, thanks for being here. Of course, Josh. How you doing? Good. And Daniel Lima. Daniel, what's up? What's up? What's up? I'm doing okay. Well, I'm excited to talk to you guys about this one because I've been talking about to about Daniel with Spies in Disguise for a while, and I'm just happy to have a, a new combination of folks to talk about any movie with, and uh, I'm always uh, welcoming of Joe's animation expertise. Uh, Spies in Disguise is the newest uh, movie from uh, 20th, century anim- 20th Century Fox Animation in Blue Sky Studio. It is an animated film where Will Smith voices the main character, Lance Sterling, who is a cocky Secret Service agent type of guy, but for a company called which i missed during the movie guys but apparently it's htuv which stands for honor trust unity and valor it's some weird ass branding if you ask me <laughs> and, um, and he, he 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 is he works for this uh he's just like a really awesome agent that kicks ass all the time back at the headquarters for the htuv agency there is a guy named walter who is kind of just like works in the event as an inventor creating gadgets he's dreamed of doing this since he was younger and he's motivated by being able to make gadgets that help people do their jobs and save the world while not actually hurting a lot of people which is i think an interesting spin on a character that works in a world like this and despite being the man around the company and everyone loves him he's confronted by an agent named marcy capital voiced by rashida jones who shows footage when he brings this briefcase of this drone that he had to kidnap here he had to take from these japanese people uh it's all of a sudden empty and then rashida jones's marcy keppel walks in and shows footage of him uh walking off with this drone but it's not actually him it's this other bad guy named uh killian that is in a some kind of holographic disguise and uh, he has to go on the run, and he uh, ends up going to Walter for help because Walter had mentioned to him he could make him invisible. And then we're, it, it, basically it's a movie where they go on the run. I, I think the, the place to start about talking about this movie is that I went in apparently knowing less than probably anyone else that saw this movie, uh, and it really fucked with my expectations quite a lot because I just said in passing at some point to Daniel that, yeah, I didn't see the trailer, and I, he, he got very excited. So did some of our other friends that you guys sometimes hear on the podcast. Podcast. They just could not understand how I had not seen this trailer and said that, oh, my God, do not try and learn nothing about it. And that having that kind of warning for an animated movie is a weird thing. You know, I'm I have this I'm very spoiler reverse with trailers and I will run out of theaters when they come on for, I don't know, for example, Waves or Uncut Gems this year and movies like that that are, you know, adult movies that have unpredictable plots and i'm like why are they telling me to stay away from the trailer for an animated movie i don't get it is this not even i i know it's about spies i know they're in disguise is this going to be some like weird ass movie about like uh i don't know like a petting zoo or something i i don't know where my head was at but i i, I couldn't understand why it was so important that i not watch this trailer because i was hoping that like wow they, they, is this whole title just a misnomer and it's not actually going to be out spies who use disguises and is this just there to throw us off the scent of what it's really about and turns out that's not exactly the case and i was warned not to watch the trailer because it's an action movie starring a pigeon uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and such yes. a such a such a unique spin i guess on what you think you're in for when you uh when you get to this movie and you think all right i'm gonna watch will smith play a badass super agent and you get to watch will smith waddle around as a pigeon and you know where do you know where this came from by the way what do you mean um the idea for this movie i mean there was a short film in 2009 called pigeon impossible 
about a super spy pigeon and uh, Blue Sky bought the rights to it and they just sat on it for like a decade before they were like, you know what, we should probably do something with this. And then they made this. So, yeah, I mean, that's not even the most interesting thing about the movie to me. I just it was just a hilarious revelation because I I let my mind just go to crazy places. Why could they be so adamant? <laughs> I not watch this freaking trailer. It has to be something crazy. It has to take a ninety degree turn into nothing I'm expecting, and it kind of did. But I not I, I just thought the plot. You were was not you had like, been expecting something even crazier. Yeah, I don't know. Like I mean, I thought it was gonna be like so. I I I was like, it can't be about like weird sex stuff. But like I don't know. Like my mind even went to like weird places like that. I, mean, I was like, I mean it. It kind, it kind, it's there. <laughs> yeah, in theory, it, it kind of is a little bit, and uh, I, I got some laughs out of that kind of thing. But yeah, so uh, basically, uh, Walter ends up uh, accidentally turning Lance into a pigeon when he takes the antidote and drinks the whole thing, and hasn't actually perf- uh, gotten it exactly to where it would need to be. To I guess the idea, or I guess was that his idea all along to turn him into a pigeon as to turn him invisible? I suppose just because he could hide mm-hmm. in plain sight. And it's just they end up kind of stuck with it for longer than Lance would have wanted to. And they have to go on the run and do a bunch of different things to uh, try and track this guy down and and, and prove that, hey, Lance wasn't actually the bad guy here. Joe, I guess I I guess I'll throw to you. Uh, You're someone that watches a lot of animated movies. My thing is I really respected how weird this movie got. You know, I we both love Toy Story 4. It's probably going to be in our top 10 movies of the year. Uh, But like. It's kind of like a, and I, I really respected that it went to like unexpected places. But I mean, this movie is just like weird in a different and unexpected way. Whereas like Toy Story Four, like that's just a great movie that they found a cool idea for when no one else thought they were going to do something else. This is just like wholly weird in a different way, and like I respect it for that. Yeah, absolutely. That was my favorite thing about it because uh, you know when I see this movie, uh, it looks you know. It looks like every other, especially if for those of us have seen who saw the trailer before seeing the movie, <laughs> uh, you look at it as this sort of like, oh, it's like this stunt casted animated movie, and like they got these big stars to do it, and it's just going to be kind of like one of these things where there's a bunch of action and underdeveloped villain and yada yada yada. But then like the the, the places they went with this was like just extremely strange, and really the movie just takes off once uh, Will Smith becomes the pigeon, like the whole Lance Sterling setup thing. Like I just was like really bored by it. And honestly, I was just like, I was pretty down on the movie, like about 10, 15 minutes into it. And then like, they just like go full force in the crazy town. And like, yeah, I love it. And you know, you kind of see this like larger trend in mainstream animation anyway, where it's, you know, where they've really just gotten like weirder. And I don't know if it's studios like letting their board artists breathe a bit more or what it is, you know, but, uh, no, I just was absolutely in love with the strangeness of it and ended up having a much better time than I thought I would. Yeah, Daniel, we're, I understand you were very excited for me to figure out what this twist was, but was was watching a pigeon waddle around and perform in action set pieces the best part of this movie for you? Or was it actually something else and you were just excited for me to be like uh, caught off guard by that? Oh, no, no, no. Pigeon Smith is definitely the best part of this movie. <laughs> that being said, that being said, I actually did kind of like all the stuff like beforehand, like unlike uh, Joe. I did actually, I mean, I've been watching like the uh, the James Bond movies for the past couple months. I've been going through the series. And the first part of the movie with Lance Sterling just being a cool super spy, you know, 
I actually thought it worked pretty well as a parody of the spy genre, you know, with the silly villains and the smooth-talking uh, spy guy. You know, it's just heightened to a level even beyond the Roger Moore silliness. And I thought that it actually worked rather well. That first set piece uh, within, like, the—, the it was, was it like a Japanese dojos type of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought it was actually pretty— Pretty good. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, I'm not an animation guy, but I mean, I thought that they, you know, actually made a even in that set piece when everyone's a human being. I thought it justified the use of the uh, uh, of the medium animation. You know, it was vision. It, I like like looking at it. I was like, oh, this is really impressive. They're doing things that I could not have seen done in live action. Also, they did it set to uh, to uh, rocket fuel which is the new DJ Shadow song that I guess everyone's going to try to stick into their stuff after <laughs> nobody speak, you know. But, yeah, I, I was actually really rather taken by that first part, too. And then it gets to the pigeon stuff. And, oh, boy, the pigeon stuff. Yeah, and I guess I, I, the, the pigeon stuff specifically is pretty cool because one thing that Joe and I talk about when we talk a lot about these animated movies is that it is impressive that they find that all the makers of these different movies, so they find new ways to innovate and show you something different where I feel like, you know, there is some maybe, maybe – I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not enough of an expert to say, but maybe in my head at some point a lot of animated movies before I started really paying closely atten- close attention to them, I thought, oh, like they're all – not that the plot's the same, but they all kind of have a similar look and feel. Like, you know, a lot of the Pixar movies look the same or a lot of the Disney ones look the same. And uh, I, I now know that's not really that true, but, you know, at the same time, I want to see, like, something I've never seen before when I go to one of these, whether it was, you know, a lot of the visuals of something like Coco or, like, in, you know, like, Wreck-It Ralph. We saw, like, a, a interesting how they portrayed the freaking internet, which is just, like, a very unique thing. And here, like just having a new spin on action and it's like you know we've seen plenty of action movies all of us have but it's like hey let's actually show action with like a participant in the action that is not someone who normally participates in the action and i feel like that's just like a it's a cool thing to go to a movie like that and be like that's something i've never seen before even if it's like the most ridiculous thing ever (laughs) yeah no i agree like the uh that there's like a set piece where like the pigeon who by the way along the way they pick up a couple more pigeons who joined this guy's flock oh, yeah. as part of that <laughs> as part of that i mean this is one of the weaker parts of the movie for me honestly the like uh the whole you know like kitty it's a kitty movie so like you know you've got that friendship angle that be true to yourself stuff and uh, and uh, something deeper that I'll, I'll get into in a bit but um they pick up a bunch of other pigeons and at one point there's like a chase thing through i believe venice <laughs> like where the pigeons yeah. are playing keep away with the drone and it's it's Pretty fun to watch. They're flying all through, but Pigeon Smith doesn't actually know how to fly it, so they're throwing him around also, and things are fly. It's great. And at one point, I think it's the best, the best moment in film of the year. At one point, Pigeon Smith gets thrown, and he jumps through like a boarded-up window through the little slits between the 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 boards, and it is shot exactly like in the Bourne Ultimatum where uh, uh, Jason Bourne is jumping through the window. It's shot in the exact same way, <laughs> slow motion. It's framed the same way. It is the <laughs> single best joke and moment of film 2019. It, I, I fell in love at that moment. Well, now I go watch the board ultimatum because for the first, I mean, I've seen it, but it's been a while, but I think I'd respect <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd respect that psych gag um, a bit more. Did, it, did either of you guys find it kind of funny that uh, one of the main two characters in this movie was voiced by Tom Holland and in the Spider-Man movie we just saw earlier in 2019, his class goes on a trip to venice where there is an attack of drones uh, that's funny. <laughs> tom, holland said, tom holland goes to his agent says i'm only reading scripts that have drones in venice yeah see <laughs> I, I will admit 
I will admit that, like, as far as stunt casting go, I, I did enjoy Will Smith as Lance, but I was less enthused by Tom Holland's Walter. But it's just uh, like a nerdy white guy. Like, what, what other kind of what other voices can really bring that character to life any better than that, though? I suppose. But like, I mean, just I think it also is just how that character functions in the plot. See, this character, like, as you said, he's like, you know, trying to go about you know, his work nonviolent. He's trying to find nonviolent solutions to this, you know, dark spy world that, you know, he lives in. And a lot of the movie is like a conflict between him and like Lance, because Lance, you know, he doesn't want that. You know, he's he goes there are many moments where he's like, you know, I've seen people die doing this work that I do. It's important what I do. And sometimes there's only one solution. And I think that's a very there's a there's a there's an interesting dynamic between the two of them there, but the movie tries to have its cake and eat it too because while it wants to lend that sort of um, um, gravitas to the situation, it also is like a silly animated movie where like Will Smith turns into a pigeon, and it's just I think that it just doesn't it doesn't really land. That was you know, my... because sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying that because it doesn't really land just because. Um, it's it's hard to have as much fun with like, you know, toward the end of the movie, like he really goes out with all the, you know, non-lethal gadgets that he's invented. And it's hard to take it seriously thinking in the back of your head, wait, like this is a world where like death is meaningful and people die. And like there's the things that they do have actual stakes. Probably arguably they try to make that more important, feel more important than even like the James Bond movies do. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. It is a little weird that it's like an animated movie, but it kind of has a strong anti-violence message, which, I mean, I guess is a, good, a, a kind of a good thing for kids to learn. But, I mean, Joe, what did you think about trying to, like, Trojan horse, like, a, a theme like that into a movie of this, like, that it was this goofy? Because I, I, it seems like Daniel thinks they did it to mix results. Yeah, like, I, I respected it, and I wish they had gone even harder for it. Like, it's the kind of thing you got to go all in on. Because, like, you know, it's a really important message to give to kids, you know? But, like, at the same time, you can't have your super villain guy, like, straight up execute a guy in a movie that's preaching anti-violence, even if you're trying to make the point. You know what I mean? Like, where he throws the guy out the window. Yeah, right? but, like, I mean, yeah. I think I think I, I, I agree with you, just not in that – with that because, you know, mm-hmm. the villain – the villain, like, you know, clearly he's the villain. He's the bad guy. You shouldn't do yeah. that. <laughs> what I think that the the dichotomy comes from when, you know, your other hero, Lance Sterling, is saying, yo, this is not a game. This it is important. People have died in this line of work. I try to do my job in a way that makes other people safe, no matter the cost. And it's this weird, like, it's weird to hear your hero saying that. And then get told, you know, and have it, you know, make you think about what's going on in the real world and then say, oh, but wait a minute, bubble, like, you know, he pulls out this wacky new invention and suddenly that problem goes away. (laughs) But you've already connected it to like real world problems. Like, you know, there are people who work in intelligence in the real world who make these same sort of justifications. And and. The solution is not as easy as, you know, we have Tom Holland inventing whacking new inventions. So, I don't know. It t- it takes you out of the movie a little bit toward the end. Yeah, I guess I thought, like, uh, I guess I, I just wasn't sure if I got all the way there with on the, to- the side of the Tom Holland character. Even if I agree, like, you should, mm. avoid, kill- you should avoid killing if you can. Uh, I was like, 
I don't. I guess I don't know because you don't want to lose the through line. This is ultimately a movie for little kids. You don't want to lose the little kids, and I, I I don't have a great answer for how I would have done it differently. And again, like Joe said, I really respected that they like wanted to go there and they had the ambition to like try and impart this big of a lesson in such a bizarre ass movie. Uh, <laughs> but but like I was like. I get what the kid wants to do. He wants to make these things that can, like, solve problems these ways. But I, if they're trying to tell me that, like, that's truly how all the world's problems can be solved, like, I don't know if I've been totally convinced. But at the same time, like, I get that, like, this other character, the Lance character, like, he's probably being, like, I think we can all agree he's being, like, way too resistant to this stuff. And maybe there shouldn't be an answer. There's not – there in the real world, there aren't easy answers to these questions. Like, sometimes, like, you might have to have loss of life. But, like – think we can all agree like we don't want civilian loss of life but like when a bad guy is like a really really bad guy is there anything wrong with just taking him out like i don't know if they convinced me that we shouldn't do that if like you know this person's like a mass murderer like i i so i'm not i maybe i just didn't know where the movie ultimately wanted me to fall but like maybe i should also just accept the fact that like there's not like easy answers to questions like these and hopefully kids will like at least ponder that thought for at least a couple of seconds before they only think about the pigeon you know yeah i think i think we should i should at least appreciate the fact that the movie about Will Smith getting turned to a pigeon leads us to say, I don't know, should we kill people who who have done evil things? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an accomplishment that, that even got us to that point, for sure. Yeah, and I do appreciate, like, as, as much as I appreciate that middle part of the movie where, like, you know, things really pick up. Will Smith is the pigeon. They really, they do go pretty hard in the fact that he is a pigeon. Like, there is a scene where, like, you know, he ends up, with the uncontrollable urge to eat people's garbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> like there, there, there's like, you know, there's a scene where like he has to figure out what a cloaca is, you know, <laughs> like, like th- they do treat it with the amount of attention to detail that I'd want out of something like this. And yet, I'm sorry, there's just not enough of it. There's well, yeah. just not enough of it. But I mean, this because, is the... I was just saying, because of, you know, this emphasis on, like, this, this weird moral quandary going on, um, you know, like, the first half of the movie, like, I'm like, wait, when is he turning into a bird? And then it's, like, 20 or 30 minutes in, it feels like. <laughs> and then, like, the last 20 or 30 minutes, he's not a bird. And I was like, but I want it. I wanted Will Smith as a bird. <laughs> and it's weird because the best part of the movie is when he is a bird trying to learn the ropes and, you know, dealing with these other pigeons, like trying to flock to him. And it, it's, it's, it's really working on all cylinders there, you know? Well, Joe, did you, Joe, did you laugh at the, uh, some of the other easy gags? Cause I laughed at like him, like storming into the elevator, but not being tall enough to like press the elevator button, like even stuff like that. Like, or, or him, like, trying to figure out how to grapple with the hotel room key. Not even, yeah, like, not, not even, yeah. like, this pitch, dumb oh, pigeon yeah. stuff, but just, like, the limitations of the body. Like, that That even, I, I even was, like, an easy enough mark that I laughed at that. Uh, did that do it for you? I, the the seeing the seeing uh, Walter's face and his butt at the same time thing was a winner. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And then, uh I for, I forever like I, one of the most charming things about the movie, and this is we and Daniel touched on this earlier, was just the the pigeon squad. You know, just like how even after Lance Sterling was turned back into a human, like the bond of the birds. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, like I just like I got a lot of kicks out of him, like not being able to fly, and like his little uh, his little bow tie on his chest, <laughs> and like uh, and then like just you know the, the general pigeon stuff yeah. was great though. Like I. I love like the we mentioned the uh, the eating the food off the ground uh, when he lays an egg. Uh, oh, that's his, hilarious! Tra- 
when he tries to uh, when he's trying to use the bathroom and the, the pigeon has a whole different uh, 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 not medically trained I guess and, 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 yeah, no, set a I figured that out I figured that out <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I liked to one of my favorite details in the movie uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when um, they're on the where Rashida Jones's agent is on the boat and they're trying to find signs of Lance Sterling and he's left no signs because he's like literally a bird. I just thought that was a clever, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess the one other aspect of the movie, and I, 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 there's still some other odds and ends and like other small fun things I want to talk about, but we have, we talked about the, like the moral quandary, we talked about all the funny pigeon stuff, but did you ultimately, uh, Given where the relationship starts out in the movie, Daniel, did you ultimately buy that uh, Lance and Walter got to a place where they genuinely would care about each other? You know what? Actually, yeah. Um, even though the friendship stuff, of course, it's like general kid, kitty, you know, movie animated, you know, family friendly shit. Sh- like, you know, even though that's pretty bog standard stuff, mm-hmm. I thought it actually worked. Um, I I I believed that Lance was you know now friends with Walter. I liked all the pigeon stuff. All of, and I I liked uh, even uh, his relationship with uh, what's her name the uh, uh, the one played by uh, Rashida Jones. Yeah, it was, yeah, Marcy it's apparently Marcy. Marcy. Yeah, yeah, Marcy. Yeah, yeah, the security agent who's like after him. Like mm-hmm. I I I you know like I appreciate all the character interactions at if nothing else you know. I think it was effective, and I I liked seeing Lance interact with Walter. I just wish he did it more as a pigeon, but you know, you can't have everything. One thing I have to ask: right? How 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 old is Walter supposed to be? Well, he graduated MIT when he was what fifteen, is what they say. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I thought he was, but he looks like he's sixteen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 I I took it to be like early twenties, so I I didn't think too hard about it. Did you? Okay. Well, I, I realize it's animated, so it's hard to judge age, but. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, I just kind of like, cause I, cause I kind of had the same question, but then I just sort of accepted it. Cause like kind of Tom Holland exists in this like nebulous space between 16 <laughs> and 25. Yes. And I don't know how, how old he actually is. You know? He is apparent. So. He is apparently 23 years old. There you go. Okay. Um, but he sounds like he's 12. And he looks like a really like when he's Spider-Man buff 16 year old. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, it might be going too much, uh, even too much down the rabbit hole. But like, I I noticed that like the the mom's gravestone said like 1976. So I started I started doing the math in my head. Like, wait, so how old would she have to be if he was like if, when she had him? If he's like 20 something years old? And then I was like, all right, this is getting too difficult, and I stopped. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I had the, I had that thought too. I was like, well, this guy like has a pretty like incredible. It's weird that like if this guy's that brilliant at that young of age, he's that much of an outcast at the agency. But I guess it's because he has this like very specific way he uh, believes that things should be done and uh people like would kind of turn their nose up at him until he uh saves the day as he ultimately does at the end but uh he, yeah, ultimately ultimately i guess it's telling that like I, i'm willing to buy that will smith turns into a pigeon but how old is this character yeah well, <laughs> well so he will smith they're, they're well other thing i mean Again, I should not be thinking this hard about it. I should suspend all my disbelief in an animated movie. But uh, would any kind of government employee have enough money to have four different self-driving vehicles? Uh, and yeah. I, it, it was just a thought I have. It a self-driving. Yacht, I thought that a, it was just. I thought it was just like 
yeah. his uh hijacking you know agency like his, yeah 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 he was hijacking agent stuff i took it as you oh, know okay i was like i thought they would cut him off from all this because uh, uh, self-driving uh batmobile self-driving yacht self-driving uh private plane self-driving uh underwater bubble submarine thing but when they're in the bubble submarine thing he does change back into the human and i guess that's where it kind of fell off for you a little bit daniel and i'd say it does become a little less interesting at that point because then it's just like all right we're gonna just go into the cave with the evil guy and he's gonna reveal his evil plan and then we're gonna have to just like watch them like deal with the fallout of the evil guy getting his way up until he doesn't and that did feel a little bit more like all right now we're just settling into like your typical uh villain in a movie you know kind of story yeah yeah exactly even though like you know uh, the final set piece is when, you know, they really just embrace uh, Walter's approach to, you know, uh, doing this business. And like, you know, yeah, of course, I'm I'm a little like I think that that moral quandary, I think, bogs the movie down a little bit. But at least the set piece with all the, you know, non-lethal gadgets that he's invented, it's 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 nice to watch. You know, yeah. Joe, what did you think about that visually? I mean, even if like, hey, we might acknowledge that part of the movie is not as uh interesting as everything else did you appreciate just the creativity that the filmmaker showed and uh having all these different types of gadgets working together at the end yeah visually it's a ton of fun i really love that last sequence you know it's just it gives you know it's just let's let all the ideas shine for like non-violent gadgets and stuff uh to kind of play into that and be a larger movie thing as well i wish they had had a little more fun with a uh, robo hand uh ben mendelson because just when you get an actor like Ben Mendelsohn to play that part, you know, like to hear like that sinister voice, like do a few more like cutesy, funny things at the end when all that crazy nonviolent stuff is going on would have been nice, I think. Yeah, I think that that's all that's also like an issue with, you know, a lot of spy movies that I've seen. The villains always kind of like uh, they kind of disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you were yeah. mentioning Bond earlier and it's like how many Bond villains, like, the best ones, you truly do kind of know them. Or best movies, like, I mean, I guess I was listening about spy films, but the best villains, you do kind of understand their motivations and kind of really get to see their side. And this movie didn't, like, really take all that much time to do it. You know, I think uh, th- that's why, like, you know, I think animated movie villains, Joe, is there any, even anything that comes close to um, what, who's the guy in the original Incredible Syndrome? Um, yeah. Yeah, like... Um. Yeah, it's there have there haven't been a lot of great ones lately. So it's like it's 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 hard to really have that expectation for any movie like that, but it certainly would have been something to like, you know, that could have that could have just added to the overall equation. There's no lots of hug and bear in this movie. Oh, that, that's 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 another great one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which one? From Toy Story 3, The Bear. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, no, I remember Funzo Bear was his name. No, Lotso. Lotso. Lotso hug and bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've heard people complain that like Toy Story three is like the same plot as Toy Story two, but I I don't remember Toy Story two too well because I saw it as a kid. I I just know that I really like Toy Story three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know if there's that much else to Spies in Disguise. It's a little weird that we're not going a little longer on a on a on a three person podcast. But like again, I think we all kind of like respect the things that this movie did really well. There's just like not a, not a whole lot else to say on the things that it didn't do well. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I. Daniel, is there any aspect of this movie you were hoping to touch on that I didn't already ask you guys about? No, man, we kind of got it. We kind of nailed it on this one. I mean, a part of it is just that it's a, you know, it's a short animated movie that's, you know, at the end of the day targeted to kids. I I wish it was weirder than it was. If it was weirder than it was, it'd probably have stood out as like the best animated movie of the year for me. But it gets bogged down by this kind of confused 
pacifist message that they try to smuggle in there, which doesn't really work for the world that they set up. They don't they doing, a, uh, you know, tackling that topic means that there's less Pigeon Will Smith, which is clearly the best part of the movie. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I wish there was more to go on about. I wish there was more that we could, like, dive into with, like, these little strange problems that he encounters as a pigeon. But, you know, sadly, sadly, not enough there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, um... I should I should trust that I did really like the movie, though. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has, like, all those redeeming qualities. It was just, like, it was just, like, a little, uh, I, again, I, I'm not really sure where that pacifist message goes, but I, I just really, res- again, I really respect the fact that they went there, even if, like, it, it's just a very ambitious thing to try and do, and I don't know if they totally did it, but the movie has enough else going for it that, like, I would still recommend it to people that are looking for something fun to watch that have already kind of, like, uh, finished up all their Oscar movie watching, as I had at the time that I saw this. Uh, Joe, any other final thoughts on the movie? I eagerly look forward to the Disney Plus original series chronicling the adventures of the Pigeon Squad. So, my God, I will get I will get Disney Plus the day they announce that. The day they announce that, we're going to already have like so many more uh, Marvel spinoffs that are going to be so much more expensive than that would be. So. I mean, you got to think they could find a, a some kind of market for that, you know? Find some find something in the, the budget. Skies. Cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, there, there you go. Uh, That's what I want. Yeah, Daniel, before you <laughs> sign off, anything you want to plug? I mean, you don't need to go too all in on any of your weird movies because you're going to have the chance to do that on the top 10 next week. But you can, if there's anything yeah, else you want to shout out that's not that's not included in that or any other letterbox type stuff, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll do, I'll, I'll plug the last movie I watched that I gave a perfect score to, Baxter. Uh, this was a French movie from 1989. Uh, I happened to be reading a. I happened to be reading a book that the person who wrote the book that Baxter is based on had written, and it came up on IMDb. And I was like, you know what, Baxter is on Criterion Channel. I take this as a sign. Let me give it a watch. And it's about a a, a dog, a sociopathic of it dog. Is. Oh wow! Who a sociopathic dog who is searching for the owner that gets him, you know, another sociopath. And so he's willing to hurt, kill, and make everyone who owns him until he gets him. This was a French movie, 1989. The dog has this, uh, has an internal narration delivered by, I believe his name is Maxime LaRue, um, where, you know, he, and it's a movie that is about the darkness that exists within all of us seen through the eyes of this dog. Uh, the people that he encounters, they, visit upon him, you know, mild sins, mild cruelties that continue to escalate until he finally, like he finally meets someone who even surpasses him. Wow. It's could be really, really hard to get through and really, really pessimistic. But the fact is it is just so funny. I've never oh. thought I'd never, if you ever told me that I'd laugh at a dog contemplating murdering a child, a baby, I wouldn't. I. What are you even talking about? No, it's a. Yeah, fun you're, you're normally you're normally there for the positive man and beast stories, not the stuff where there, there's an angry animal. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would say one thing I would recommend for you. If I mean, it might be too similar, but. I would recommend the book of for the art of racing in the rain. If you've never read it, uh, I didn't even see the movie that came out last year because it was rated PG and the book is basically like 
an R-rated book. And there, I guess there's a separate book oh. that's for kids. There's a separate book for kids, and there's a separate book for adults. And they adapted the kids' version into the movie. And I'm like, I don't really care about that. The book is great where you're in this dog's head the whole time, and he's thinking like an adult. And so it's rated R because of that. And uh, it might be just something that's worth you checking out because uh, uh, knowing that you're pinching for animal movies. Uh, Joe, any anything you want to plug or besides yourself? Do whatever you want. Well, um, I record this podcast with a heavy heart tonight because Josh Donaldson has signed with the Minnesota Twins, oh, which sorry. is just a truly heartbreaking development for someone who follows Atlanta sports like myself. So um, I'll just leave it at that and say <laughs> this has considerably raised my spirits and talked about crime fighting pigeons. Well, so. at least like at least at least our teams aren't involved in massive cheating scandals right now. So you at least had that going for you. Though you're also a Jaguars fan, so uh, what's this? Uh, you're you're just not in a great spot with the sports teams at the moment. I'm, so, I'm oh, Jaguars are cheaters. No, the no the no the no, the, well, the Red Sox and the Astros are the cheaters in baseball who've had like all their uh, really important people fired for uh, electronic sign stealing and stuff. So that's been a big story. But uh, Joe Joe's a brave fan i'm a phillies fan and they're at least not wrapped up in that even if they might have their own issues uh yes. everyone <laughs> as, as usual i'm at josh Chernovoy, j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-i on twitter and letterbox podcast twitter is rewind movie pod podcast email is the rewind movie pod at gmail.com uh coming up next i don't know what this might be the last podcast i do on a 2019 movie until like portrait of a lady on fire which i don't even really count because they're releasing that after the oscars uh so I, I got to figure out, like, what what's the first 2020 movie going to be? I, I mean, it's probably going to be, um, if you wait until, like, the biggest possible release, it would probably be uh, Birds, of, Birds of Prey, won't it? No, I'll do something. But there's, like, some actual January stuff, isn't there? I got uh, Well, I mean, I just saw Underwater, which I really liked, um, if you ever want to do that one. But there's also, <laughs> I believe... Um, the, the oh, rhythm section. Oh, this the gentleman, the the guy Richie won. That maybe that. Maybe Ooh, the, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm the, looking forward to that. Yes. The rhythm section also looks like something up your alley. Yeah, I got enough stuff to like get me like by through like the the week to week because I oh and Bad Boys for Life. Okay, so we we and, and I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe do little. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna see both of them. I'm gonna see both of them. Even though I tried watching the first Bad Boys and I I could not get through it. Yeah, and I don't like Bad Boys 2 as much as a lot of people do. A lot of people swear by that movie, and it just, like, it felt like the worst of Michael Bay, even if I really enjoy Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in, like, the right spots. It just felt like the worst of Michael Bay when I could have saw potential for so much more because I really like Pain and Gain. I'm like, he could shoot the hell out of Miami if he really wanted to, and this is just, like, cars blowing up around Miami, and it, it wasn't that interesting. So, I mean, I'll probably still see Bad Boys for Life, maybe do it all, definitely The Gentleman, and so that'll get us through till Birds with Prey. So, I don't know. Stay tuned for some combination of that, plus the Top 10 podcast podcast which is going to be in the works uh over the next couple of weeks which was my favorite thing to do last year and might be my favorite thing to do this year if it doesn't end up being five hours long we'll have to see so <laughs> everyone stay tuned for that and we'll see you next time